What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Mortcast, part of the CSG Network. I'm, of course, your host, Jeff Morton. Um, so the Nuggets beat the Golden State Warriors in a uh, very good game for the Nuggets. Um, they beat these the Golden State Warriors pulling away in the fourth quarter pretty much big time, choking the life out of, out of the Warriors and their fans uh, in a very thorough like kind of you're not as good as us kind of uh win one of those wins that you're like okay yeah the, the nuggets proved a point um there was a lot of things that went into it including the the nuggets allowing uh the the the, the warriors to get out to a 16 point lead i think in the first half and then of course going on a 14-0 run before the halftime and then you know kind of doing what they do in the second half and a lot of this is the Nuggets, I think we're very fortunate that they started out the the the, the uh, second half, well, second half, but the last 27 games where they started out with against a game against the uh, war, the uh, Wizards and a game against the uh, Portland Trailblazers, two opponents that are uh, obviously not in the Nuggets caliber right now because of their current situations. So uh, I think the Nuggets were able to just kind of get a couple out of the way, get the winning back on track, and then go into a difficult place to win in Golden State and sweep the uh, the Golden State Warriors for the uh, season, uh, 4-0. So it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey. And one of the journeys and one of the part aspects of the last three games has been Nikola Jokic uh, just basically becoming uh, an unstoppable machine during this time. And last night he had 32, 16, and 16, uh, along with four steals, which was amazing. It truly was an amazing performance from Nikola Jokic. Uh, and it brings to mind several different things. And at first I kind of want to – this is all going to be one subject, okay? It's going to be Nikola Jokic in reference to the past. I know I've talked about the Spurs a lot and the nuggets seeking to emulate the spurs but i got to i got to bring into some realism here and then you know that's what i do on this podcast um we need to respect the spurs of the of the 2000s and what they were able to do as something that is not replicable but i'll get into that in the second half but first i kind of want to talk about appreciating nikola jokic and everyone's doing this genuflecting kind of we don't adequately appreciate nikola jokic stuff and i, I get some of it i even wrote uh, a tweet about it we do need to appreciate jokic more but we don't necessarily need to do this genuflecting that's been going on that is kind of getting uh, embarrassing for us as Nuggets fans. I think I think we're now at a point where we as Nuggets fans need to just understand that the Nuggets are, are where they are and this is a Nuggets thing and we can adequately appreciate Nikola Jokic without demeaning what is to be the Denver Nuggets and what they have accomplished through the arduous years of pain that have gone through before and uh, even to what Tim Connolly accomplished prior to him leaving. Um, and I think one of the reasons I want to do this is I want to put Nikola Jokic in perspective. Uh, my buddy Andy Feinstein and I, if Andy Feinstein and I, kind of always had this mantra that the Nuggets would never win a championship in our lifetimes. And it was interesting, as the Nuggets were winning that championship last year in, in, in the finals against the Miami Heat, it was kind of an anticlimax for me, and I may have 
articulated this a little bit on the podcast. There was a little bit of an anticlimax to me because the real, for longtime Nuggets fans, the the, the 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 dragon that was slayed was the Los Angeles Lakers in the in the Western Conference Finals. Okay, and really what led to was a um, the the peaks of what the of the uh, uh, the finals, which was probably big for newer fans who didn't experience the pain of the Lakers. Um, uh, meant uh, meant more. I mean, I'm not saying that winning the finals didn't mean anything. I'm saying that it was a, it was kind of an emotional letdown because the Nuggets slayed the Dragon, and in, within that framework and in within when that frame of mind, there have been superstars that have come through Denver. You know, Melo was a superstar. He was a reputational superstar, not necessarily in play, but he was a reputational superstar. David Thompson was probably the first superstar, if you want to go into it. Um, Alex English was a, a gigantic star who never achieved more than being a star because he was so quiet. There have been big stars that have come through Denver. Uh, we know what a star looks like. We don't know what a player like Nikola Jokic looks like because we have never experienced it. Um, other teams, other franchises, I mean, the Nuggets just played the Golden State Warriors, and the Warriors had Steph Curry. Steph Curry was is and still is a transformational kind of player, a guy who was a one-of-a-kind shooter that uh, – Quite frankly, I don't think can ever be replicated. I don't think I don't think we will ever see another Steph Curry. Okay, Steph Curry is a one on one. Um, you have seen players come into the league who try to emulate Steph Curry, Curry, Curly, Steph Curry, specifically Trey Young, who are not as good. It is. It is. We need to keep that in mind. There are going to be people who come after Jokic, i.e., Alperen Sengun who model their game after him that don't necessarily have the entire package of what makes Jokic Jokic. But this is this is more, unless it's less about a, a, a being amazed at Jokic and appreciating Jokic, then maybe we need to reflect on what he has done for the Denver Nuggets and what he has done for the franchise itself and what he has done to shape how the Nuggets are perceived in the NBA. Um, you could, I could make a argument um, that Nicole, what Nikola Jokic has done in reputationally changing the Denver Nuggets is probably right up there with any of his individual accomplishments. The Nuggets were not the most respected organization, and a lot of that had to do with the stretch in the 90s when they were legitimately awful. Um, a lot of the people who populate the NBA now are people who remember that time in the 90s and how bad the Nuggets were. And, and quite frankly, I don't blame them for holding any of those views of the Denver Nuggets. And then you get to the Carmelo Anthony years where they only get through the uh, first round once. Obviously, it's going to be something that it stays with you. Reputationally speaking, the Nuggets weren't held in high esteem. We, they were always, especially in the league office, where the Nuggets were not exactly the most uh, honored team by the NBA front of, uh, in the NBA league offices. David Stern, as I've discussed before in this podcast, was never uh, a fan of basketball in the Rocky Mountains. And it took him a long time to just accept the existence of the Denver Nuggets. He was not a fan of the ABA merger, and, and if he was up to him, the Denver Nuggets would not have been part of it. 
Um, that is the history of David Stern. Um, and the Nuggets had a long time to overcome a lot of that and a lot of the reputational issues that the city of Denver and the organization of the Denver Nuggets had to overcome. Uh, in one fell swoop, uh, Nikola Jokic is doing something that I thought was going to be impossible. And that would be not only the Denver Nuggets uh, winning an NBA Finals, but becoming a respected organization. And that, to me, is probably the biggest of Jokic's accomplishments. Forget everything else. Forget the triple-doubles. Forget the amazing play on the floor. Forget the things that he does that no one else in the league does right now. It's how Jokic has shaped the reputation of the Denver Nuggets, the way they are perceived, the way the fans perceive the Denver Nuggets, the way the league itself perceives the Denver Nuggets has changed fundamentally because of Nikola Jokic. And that in might be the single biggest thing that Nikola Jokic has done. I, I, it's hard for me to put into words this change and it has been hard for me to accept this change because i am so personally so used to the nuggets being the downtrodden boys i am not used to being a front runner even in this own city even in the city of denver a team that has been around since 1967 okay we're going on 57 years now but this is the 57th season of the denver nuggets the i have never experienced a team being first and foremost among the beloveds. When it was just the Broncos and the Nuggets, obviously the Nuggets were number two. When it was the Broncos, Nuggets, and Rockies, the, the, Bron the Nuggets were number three. When it was the Broncos, uh, Nuggets, Avalanche, and Rockies, the Nuggets were number four. And this was through the 90s, and this was due through these stretches of basketball where the Nuggets weren't even respected by the citizen, citizenry of Denver. Nikola Jokic has single-handedly completely turned that around. To me, to me personally, this is his biggest achievement. Honestly, I don't care about the accolades. Honestly, I don't care about anything else. The MVP could is whatever. The... You know, all of that other stuff is secondary to what Nikola Jokic has done for the team that I love the most in this in in Denver. What he has done is nothing short of a miracle, and that sort of thing is hard to put into words. And my best way of appreciating Nikola Jokic is being able to acknowledge and appreciate what he has done for my team. And that sort of thing is as hard for me to explain to people who are so young that they don't understand what fans of the Nuggets, longtime fans of the Nuggets, went through. I, I don't know if you can even fathom this if you haven't been fans of, even if you um like early even the early 2000s when there was that tail end of the awful period you know i mean even then there there's some shit that people like me andy feinstein and i went through and we what we saw and what we experienced and all the 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 ridiculous uh nug life things that was later made famous you don't understand unless you went through it. 
And then you to get this, it's surreal. But I'm appreciating the, the respect that Jokic has brought with him and what he has given to the city of Denver, what he has given to us as a collective through appreciating the Denver Nuggets and having the Nuggets nationally be among the most respected organizations. It is all due to him. Forget Calvin Booth. Forget Tommy Balsettis. Forget even Tim Connolly, who was the one who drafted him. What Nikola Jokic has done is make sure that the Denver Nuggets are talked about and are talked about it in, in a respected way. And that, my friends, is his single biggest achievement. Because up until Nikola Jokic being here, that would have never happened. Not wouldn't didn't happen with Carmelo Anthony here. Didn't happen with Alex English here. Didn't happen with Dikembe Mutombo here. Didn't happen with David Thompson here. Well, it was close when Thompson was here. The Nuggets of the late '70s were lauded a lot, despite the NBA's best efforts to uh, hamper them. But regardless, this is the Denver Nuggets, and it reminds me of what Tim Duncan did for the San Antonio Spurs reputationally, organizationally, everything. There is the one comparison you can make with the Spurs and, and the Nuggets is how one player can change the perception of an organization. Not the coach, not the front office, not the city, not any of that. One player can do that. And that's what Tim Duncan did for San Antonio from 1997 to 2017. Now, when we get back from the break, I'm going to talk to you about on the flip side and the realism of this is I'm going to talk to you about the NBA front offices getting it wrong for so many years talking about the San Antonio Spurs and what the Spurs were able to accomplish as, as an organization as great and as many things as Tim Duncan did. He doesn't has not done what Nikola Jokic has done, which is almost single handedly changing a reputation of an organization. When we come back, I'm going to talk to you about how the Spurs model is 100% not replicable. And we'll get to that right after the break. The Spurs drafted Tim Duncan in 1997. And the circumstances that led to the Spurs drafting Tim Duncan are remarkable. The Spurs of the 90s were very good they had one bad year one 1996-97 that year the spurs suffered two actually i would say three injuries that completely altered their trajectory and they were aided by the denver nuggets i'll get to that in a second the Spurs in 1996-97 went through a bunch of th changes. Uh, um, the David Robinson, sh shortly after the season began, and he was already kind of injured, and this is something that goes under the radar, but uh, the Robinson was already kind of injured, comes in the year and injures himself and is out for, I think, 30 games. Um, shortly before that, Sean Elliott, who was basically their number two in that organization at that time, he gets injured. The Spurs were coached by Bob Hill at the time, and the GM of the team was one Greg Popovich. 
Um, Popovich and Hill already didn't get along, so Popovich did what, uh, and and there's an oral history right there about what Popovich did to Bob Hill, but he basically sandbagged Bob Hill and blamed him for the uh, losses and fired him, even though it wasn't Bob Hill's fault that the Spurs were a bad team. Popovich thought he could do it better, and that was part of his oeuvre, so to speak. So Robinson actually came back that season. Remember this vividly. Robinson actually came back, then re-injured himself. And it was this second injury that was the coup de grace for the Spurs, and which led them to basically openly tank for the rest of the year. Now, the interesting thing about this is your Denver Nuggets were going through turmoil. Uh, this is a year that uh, Bernie Bickerstaff was fired. Uh, well, stepped down and then was stepped down as head coach and then was fired by ascent. And then the, the coach uh, job was taken over by Dick Mata. The players and uh, Dick Mata didn't want to be there and the players didn't want to be coached. And it was one of the most pathetic performances of any Nuggets team I've ever seen. The next year, they would win uh, 11 games. The, the end of the 1996-97 Nuggets season was one of the most pathetic effort, uh, effort teams I've ever seen in my life. They didn't want to be coached by Dick Mata. Dick Mata did not want to be there, and it was pathetic. The Nuggets ended up winning 27 games that year. And they for some inexplicable reason, decided to go all out and beat the dog butt uh, Dallas Mavericks on the last game of the season. And it was a game, three games before that, I think, where they won. And it was a series of inexplicable wins for the Denver Nuggets who needed to be tanking. This was the Tim Duncan draft. Everyone knew what the prize was. Chauncey Billups was drafted third. But the Boston Celtics were just, this was the Rick Pitino Boston Celtics who were tanking like you wouldn't believe at this point in time um obviously the spurs were tanking but they were like the nuggets they 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 had their ups and downs that year mata basically the team checked out on them the nuggets made some mid-season trades when one of which brought kenny kenny smith to uh the denver nuggets and he just gave the most mail-it-in performance you've ever seen in your life and i believe he retired right after that the Nuggets winning that game against the Mavericks gave the Spurs better draft odds. And there, my friends, was the problem. The Spurs end up with slightly better draft odds from the Denver Nuggets. And the San Antonio Spurs end up winning the lottery and drafting a once-in-a-generation player in Tim Duncan, while, by the way, they still had a very good Robinson. This, my friends, is what made the Spurs Spurs. Having Tim Duncan, who was a very coachable, very easygoing, very low-maintenance player, while they had David Robinson. That is what made the Spurs the Spurs. That is what set the culture. Forget Greg Popovich. Popovich is one I explained this many times before in this podcast. Greg Popovich is the most fortunate coach on the planet. 
if the if they had struck out in that draft and had to draft someone else, say like Tracy, even Tracy McGrady, who was in that draft, if they had to go that direction, the Spurs would not have been the Spurs. They were the Spurs because they drafted the number one pick in the draft, David Robertson, not David Robertson, uh, Tim Duncan. So the reason I bring this up is that the Spurs of the 2000s, I'm, I'm going to, as I said this before, the leave out the 99 title. That was a weird year. Um, Jordan retired. Uh, the Spurs played a eight-seed uh, New York Knicks team that really probably shouldn't have been there. Um, if they played the Miami Heat, I don't know if that series would have gone the way it was. That's, that, that Spurs team was not ready for prime time. For all intents and purposes, the Spurs of the Robinson uh, of the uh, Duncan era begins in 2003 and ends in 2007. The Spurs were consistently good from 97 to 2017, the entire encompassing of the Duncan era. But the Duncan dynasty ends basically in 2007. And Jeff, you're saying, Jeff, why are you not including the 2013 and 2000? Uh, 14 titles. I'm doing that because, first of all, it was seven years after uh, the last finals when they won their next finals, and two, that was a that was what the very it was a lot like the uh, Golden State Warriors of 2022, where you knew it was it was something different, and quite frankly, Kawhi Leonard deserved his finals MVP. That that really wasn't a what you would call a classic Tim Duncan team. Uh, it was seven years later, and it was a different thing. But the, the Duncan era basically is three titles, 03, 05, and 07. Two titles that I don't really include in this is the 99 title and the 2014 title. Both of them are one-offs. Really, the peak Duncan era was 03 to 07. The reason I bring those up is that one of the reasons that uh, Greg Popovich and R.C. Buford were able to do what they did was because, first of all, they had the foundation that was led by David Robinson and Tim Duncan being on the same team together, and having that luxury there was huge. It allowed them to get that strike year title in 2000, excuse me, in 1999, and get then go to 2003 when. Basically, David Robinson wasn't functional anymore, but by that time they had drafted Mano Ginobili and Tony Parker and the next era of the Spurs. The Duncan, the official Duncan era of the Spurs really begins that year. They were able to do, to do what they did and not win with the pressure of winning every year because they had Tim Duncan. And what had been established with David Robinson, who had put in all the hard work with the Spurs of the 90s. Remember, David Robinson won the MVP in 1995. The Spurs were a good team, almost great team, uh, that just couldn't get past in the playoffs. What got them past in the playoffs was Tim Duncan. Having Tim Duncan and Tim Robinson, particularly through that 99 to 2003 era, got them a lot of wins because that that the having two guys that are that big on your team is was absolutely essential. So 
the 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 Spurs from 03 to 07 they they did the every other title thing every every other year thing and they were afforded to be able to they didn't have that pressure because of Tim Duncan they didn't have that pressure because of the groundwork that was laid with David Robinson one of the things that front offices have really struggled with is trying to replicate what the Spurs have done and one of the reasons you can't do that is that if you don't win, if you don't, if you're not trying actively to win the title every year, you have a superstar, the clock is ticking. People compare Nikola Jokic to Tim Duncan. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that is fair to either guy. Uh, Tim Duncan was his own person. Tim Duncan, you're talking about low maintenance superstars. Yeah. And Jokic is low maintenance. The difference is I am not convinced that Jokic is going to play for 20 years. Um, Tim Duncan didn't care about basketball either or didn't care about it as as much as some others did, which uh, that laissez-faire attitude allowed the Spurs to take their time and go for the every-other-year title thing. The Spurs signed a bunch of ring chasers. This is something that the, the, you cannot compare this Nuggets team with that. The, the the Spurs constantly signed ring chasers. Uh, that's how Stephen Jackson ended up on the Spurs. You know, that's how Richard Jefferson ends up on the Spurs. There's there's just you can't compare that to what the Nuggets are doing now. Duncan and Jokic, maybe, maybe, but the Spurs are the Spurs because of a collision of circumstances that made them unique. You can't replicate those circumstances. You can't replicate what those circumstances created. You can't. It's almost impossible to have a top 50 player and then tank and then draft another top 50 player. It's, it's unheard of. It's unheard of. Particularly at that point in Robinson's career. It was a collision of circumstances that just can't be replicated. Yes, Ginobili, yes, Parker. Yes, those guys were, were essential parts of this team, but none of it works without Tim Duncan. How many low-maintenance superstars have there ever been in the NBA? How many low-maintenance, how many superstars do not demand that you are in contention for a finals, in the finals, or winning a finals every year? There's a reason why these things are so rare. And NBA front offices for 20 years have been trying to replicate the Spurs without understanding how fluky and filled with things that you cannot abs you cannot replicate the Spurs are. And what what is interesting with the Denver Nuggets is they is that people keep talking about the Spurs with them. The Nuggets are their own thing. And whatever Jokic does and whatever Jokic has done for the Denver Nuggets is going to be only within what they create. It won't be because of some hackneyed attempt to replicate the Spurs. It'll be because of whatever Jokic allows. And maybe that's the difference. And maybe that's the lesson we all need to learn here is that don't go and try to imitate what others do. Do what you do. And the ultimate lesson of Jokic is do what you do well. Forge your own path. Because if you don't forge your own path, you're a slave to what others do. 
And I don't think that's what Jokic or the Nuggets should or want to do. All right, thank you all for joining me on the latest Morecast. And we'll be back uh, soon with another episode. Goodbye.